You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers, breaking down Ambry Thomas, the 49ers' third-round cornerback today. The scouting report on him, strengths, weaknesses, overall outlook for him as a 49er as he embarks on his rookie season in 2021. A player I like, a player that's that's grown on me since the 49ers selected him and had a chance to watch him a little more closely. 49ers have a new wide receiver. What are they doing? What's the plan at wide receiver? I have some questions there, and uh, then I'm going to answer some of your questions. We'll finish up with a little Locked On 49ers mailbag on today's program. You can always find me and hit me with those questions on Twitter at BDPeacock. You can email the show LockedOn49ers at Gmail, but Twitter is always a much better place to find me and get those questions in. If you ever have any topics, anything you want me to hit, feel free to let me know or just say hi at BDPeacock. And listen to my other podcast covering the entire NFL daily with former NFL scout Matt Williamson. He also writes for Pro Football Network. You might have seen him wrote for ESPN for about a decade, was an OG podcaster there as well. The Peacock and Williamson NFL show daily right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. According to multiple sources now, the 49ers are making an addition. Former Jaguars, Patriots, USC wide receiver Marquise Lee is signing a one-year deal with the 49ers, they have waived wide receiver Austin Prohl, Ricky Prohl's kid, to make some room for Marquise Lee. So the 49ers still have 12 wide receivers. It was widely reported that he was at that rookie mini camp on a tryout basis, and the 49ers have decided to add the veteran wide receiver, a player that had some star power, really liked him coming out of USC, dominated for uh, one full season in a couple years. He was really good at USC, then had some injuries, and... Ended up, you know, kind of derailing his career, kind of had a similar career to another former 49er that's bounced around the league now a little bit. I think both those guys spent some time with the Patriots, too, uh, Jordan Matthews. So I wonder why they went with Marquise Lee this time instead of Jordan Matthews, who were both part of that, both second rounders in that 2014 draft class. And according to Benjamin Albright, the 49ers did kick the tires on Broncos wide receiver Deshaun Hamilton. The Broncos were said to be waving him, and then they were getting some calls about him. Maybe the 49ers were one of those teams, but then he ended up tearing his ACL, so they ended up not trading him at all. And now that is that. No Deshaun Hamilton for the 49ers, the Broncos, or anybody. He's going to be gone for the year now with the torn ACL. So the 49ers have signed wide receiver Marquise Lee. What are they doing at wide receiver? Let's go to the mailbag really quick because Khan asked this question. King Kong 9359, to be specific here, said, with the addition of Marquise Lee, who do you think will make the roster? That's a tough question because the Niners have 12 wide receivers and the only rock-solid players are Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. Like Those are the only guarantees to make the roster this year. And they've all obviously spent some time dinged up. Debo more so than Ayuk last year. Ayuk wasn't ready to go to start the year either, though. They need some reinforcements there. You're one play away from any of those other 10 guys, 3 through 12, starting at wide receiver. To me, if you lined them up today, I think Richie James would be your main slot guy. I think he would be the number three. He's played the most for the 49ers. Uh, he's got a really good shot to make the roster because of his return ability and uh, when 
I mean, we saw what he could do when he's utilized on offense. And I'm not going to blow smoke up your you-know-what about Richie James here. I talk a lot about Richie James on the podcast, one of my favorite players on the 49ers, and I have some fun with it. I know he's not as amazing as sometimes I make him out to be, but right now he's probably the 49ers' number three guy, and there's some other contestants for that. I think if he's the little slot, maybe Muhammad Sanu is the big slot. Let's just run through all the 12 49ers wide receivers right now. You got Brandon Ayuk, Travis Benjamin, who opted out last year, River Craycraft, Jalen Hurd, Richie James, Jawan Jennings, Marquise Lee, Debo Samuel, Muhammad Sanu, Trent Sherfield, Austin Watkins, and Kevin White. Kevin White, if he was going to earn some sort of a role with the 49ers, he would have done it last year with all the injuries and all the opportunity. So I don't know what the deal is with him, but it's just not it's just not going to happen. It just That's the way it seems like to me. I don't know. Austin Watkins probably headed for the practice squad as an undrafted free agent. I like him. He's got some size. Got locked up by Diamador Lenore in that first rookie minicamp. I mean, it's unfortunate for Austin Watkins. He gets one rep thrown out there to the world, right, in his first rookie minicamp, and it was that one. But uh, I do think that he has a chance to stick. Most likely practice squad guy in year one just because it's a numbers game and they need numbers. Juwan Jennings last year, we never saw him at all. There was no preseason game, so we'll have a chance to see the 6'3", 212-pounder. He's physical out of Tennessee, not fast. Didn't play at all last year. I don't think you should hold out hopes there, although there is a possibility he makes a name for himself in the NFL still. Same with Jalen Hurd. Hasn't played a snap in two seasons. Going into year three now with the 49ers, and I don't know what you can expect from him. Showed some flashes in that 2019 preseason. There is River Craycraft. I can't really say that I feel strongly that he would make the roster right now. I think Trent Sherfield, the free agent wide receiver from the Arizona Cardinals, would be somebody that has a pretty good shot right now. So if we're trying to decide which six wide receivers that I had to bet on today would make the roster for the 49ers, obviously Ayuk and Debo would be two of them. I think Richie James would have to be one. I think Trent Sherfield would have to be one. I think Muhammad Sanu, because of the veteranness, would be one. And then it's got to be one of the bigger body wide receivers. Is Jalen Hurd healthy? If he's healthy, he's going to be one of them. But it's really hard for me to project that he's going to be that guy. And and what is he going to be now? Back injuries are unpredictable. He had the ACL too. So and he had injuries dating back to college. So he's got a ton of stuff. I mean, he's one of the more injured players on the 49ers roster now, dating back to you know, his high school days, in fact. So uh, I have no idea what to expect at all from Jalen Hurd if he'll even suit up and, and be a part of workouts or even the preseason. So who knows? Juwan Jennings is an interesting one. They spent a seventh-round pick on him last year. Marquise Lee, they just signed as a veteran who, you know, uh, before all of his injuries would have been someone you would expect would be able to make an impact for the 49ers. But similar to Jordan Matthews, it just, yeah, I don't know if he's, I don't know if it's in the cards for him. So it's really tough. Um, it's a really tough one for the 49ers. They have a number of bodies, and I think the, strategy is just you kind of hope with all those players that somebody shows out and somebody produces and somebody gives you some value between wide receiver three and wide receiver six on the roster but right now it's Debo and Ayuk and a whole bunch of question marks and if one of those guys gets hurt I wouldn't even know who would be the next man up to start and I think a lot of that's going to shake out and it's going to be a competition so may the best man win but I think that's why 
You saw the 49ers go get another veteran receiver in Marquise Lee just to make sure they have people that they know that can play at an NFL level. So Mohamed Sanu, Marquise Lee, I think those guys do have a shot for that reason. But uh, I think the sleeper in all this is probably Trent Sherfield, who you know hasn't done a ton, but he's played for the Cardinals and probably impressed the 49ers going up against him last year. And yeah, he started four games for the Cardinals, 28 catches, 340 yards, and a touchdown. Um, special teams player as well. So, yeah, interesting player there for the 49ers. I have no clue what to expect from the 49ers wide receiver group this year. And look, a lot of people got mad at me when I tweeted that out. I just made a joke about Kyle Shanahan's mediocre wide receiver group, and he's going to throw 11 wide receivers out there on the field after the Niners sign Marquise Lee. Just having fun with it. I, I, I expect big things from Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, but they're still unknowns. Those two receivers have played three seasons combined and have averaged 647 yards in those three seasons. A nice rookie season for Brandon Ayuk, but you just don't know. There's a lot he needs to work on still, and there's a lot of outcomes for him. Debo Samuel, uh, same way. He's spent a lot of time injured over the course of his NFL career. Is he going to be more than a gadget guy? He, he did not take that next step in year two that we all expected, and we all expected again from Brandon Ayuk. So you just never know. A lot of unknowns, and this is just an, an oddball wide receiver depth chart for the 49ers and I have no idea what to expect it might become a lot more clear as workouts happen training camp happens preseason happens and who knows maybe they could make another addition maybe even some big time addition but probably unlikely I think this is most likely the group that they're going to break camp with at wide receiver let's flip to the other side of the ball talk about one of the newest 49ers third round draft pick Ambry Thomas, cornerback from Michigan, next. Listen up, Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC, is offering a complimentary bottle to all football fans in America. To get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics, total T, text DRAFT to 231-231. This unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testafit, which helps boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels and increase energy and lean muscle mass. Plus, text now and they'll include a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you get back in shape absolutely free. And if you're over 40, don't let age get in the way. Get your edge back with Nugenics. Text the word DRAFT to 231-231. That's DRAFT. To 231-231, message and data rates may apply. Decades of data show that investors that trade individual stocks underperform the market every year. In fact, only 1% of day traders beat the market. The odds are not in your favor if you're doing it alone. Team up with Wealthfront instead. Wealthfront can create a portfolio of globally diversified, low-cost index funds personalized just for you in minutes. No manual trades, no picking stocks. No, watching the stock market every day. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences that you control. Wealthfront can even help you lower the taxes you pay as you invest. And best of all, it's automatic. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to wealthfront.com slash locked on NFL. Grow your wealth. Do it the easy way and let Wealthfront do the work for you. All you need to get started is $500 and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free for life. Go to Wealthfront.com slash 
Locked On NFL. That's Wealthfront, W-E-A-L-T-H-F-O-R-N-T.com slash Locked On NFL to start growing your savings. Go to Wealthfront.com slash Locked On NFL. Get started today. Phase two of the 49ers program getting going. It was cool to see the Niners throw out some social video of a bunch of Niners walking into the facility, getting ready for his workouts. We've got OTAs coming, then some mandatory mini camps, and then some more off time, and then training camp. So that's the stage that we are in in this offseason. All right, let's get into the scouting report for 49ers cornerback Ambry Thomas out of the University of Michigan, local kid in Michigan, grew up in Detroit, Michigan, stayed in state, was a big time recruit, four star recruit, ended up staying and playing for Michigan, didn't play a ton in his first two years, mostly special teams work, did get on the field a little bit, but finally was a starter in 2019, his junior season started all year before opting out of 2020, he was named third team all Big Ten, uh, he was one of the better players on that Michigan defense in 2019. Really solid player, and I was impressed with what I saw going back and watching Ambry Thomas, who might have fallen through the cracks a little bit due to opting out in 2020 when it comes to this draft class. Was he a huge steal for the 49ers at 102? No, but I just think he was you know, one of the last players where you could say, hey, this might be a starting cornerback in the NFL to get him outside of the top 100 is some pretty solid value. But let's get into what kind of a player Ambry Thomas is. 5'11 and 7'8, so just a hair under six feet tall, 191 pounds, pretty long arms, 32 and a quarter inch, which is really solid. Uh, 32 inches is what you're looking for. You want that arm length for a corner to be able to bat those balls away, right, and get their hands on receivers. 4'4 flat at his pro day. Some reports that he was in the 4'3 area. 38-inch vertical. Did not run his agility drills, which is surprising because he's got pretty good feet. I would think he would have run some pretty good agilities, but usually when someone a prospect doesn't run, it means they weren't going to put up good times or good lifts or whatever drill they decide not to do. Usually it's because they weren't going to show out very well in it, but that would surprise me because he seems to be a pretty agile guy. Now on paper, that's pretty solid size, a pretty... Solid height, weight, speed combination, but he doesn't look that big or fast on tape. He looks fast and he's not small, but you know, six feet, 32 inch arms, four, four flat, 38 inch vertical. That's pretty fantastic. He doesn't play that fast and big. Like, that's pretty prototype. He doesn't look like that to me on tape. We'll get into that a little bit more. Uh, he was diagnosed with digestive colitis. Uh, I, I don't know exactly what colitis is, but it sounds like it's not awesome. <laughs> that was in June of 2019. They thought he might take a redshirt year. He decided, no, I'm going to play. He was in the hospital for a month. He lost someone, something like 30 pounds during this ordeal and then uh, ended up coming back in July from it and worked his butt off to get back on the field and gain some weight back and, and get back to his playing weight and and didn't miss a game in that 2019 season. And that 2019 season was the season we'll be talking about because that's the last time he played. And that was his one year as a starter in college football. Uh, in that only one season as a starter, nine passes defensed. So that's his entire career as a nine passes defensed. Not a huge sample size here. Only one touchdown allowed and a 56.3 passer rating allowed when targeted in 2019. So, yeah, he's athletic. I don't buy the 4-3 stuff. Look, these are pro day times. So if you add .05 to most of the reported pro day times, you'd probably be pretty close, which would put him around 
mid four fours. I think that's about what I saw from him on tape. Fast, but not dynamically twitchy and fast. He does have some twitch, though, some pretty good feet. Uh, he can move laterally, and, and he can scoot a little bit. There's just a lack of an extra gear, I think, when it comes to speed, which you see from four three guys. Not an elite package, but solid length speed combination. Very similar to a guy he might be competing with for a starting job in San Francisco. That is Emmanuel Mosley, who was coming out of Tennessee. He was almost identical. 5'11", 190 pounds, 4'4", 2", and 38 and a half inch vertical. So very similar profiles there. I think in their uniforms, they will look very similar as far as uh, size and, and play speed goes. He played a lot of press man coverage at Michigan. Let's go to PFF here for the numbers. He played. They don't have it broken down into, at least what I'm looking at, they don't have it broken down to, unfortunately, in what was off coverage, what was press man, and what was zone. But he lined up pretty much at right cornerback outside 555 times compared to 43 times in the slot. So he was an outside corner almost always played on the right side of that Michigan defense and was man up at the line of scrimmage, bump and run for most of those snaps. I would say at least nine out of 10 snaps, which is cool because you don't get to see that all the time in college. You see a lot of guys playing off. You see a lot of soft coverages. It kind of depends on what conference, different conferences have different, um, different ways they go about it. <laughs> I looked at the, the Alabama game and that Michigan man defense got torched by Alabama. And this is when not only did they have Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell, who were first-rounders this year, they had two more first-rounders, too, in, in Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy. And it was Jerry Judy that went off in that game. It was the Citrus Bowl last game of the year for Michigan. I think he went to the tune of 200 receiving yards, but most of it was on the opposite side. Of Ambry Thomas, which is a good sign. And most of the games I saw from Ambry Thomas, I went straight to you know the big time schools. Watched him play against Chase Claypool in 2019 at Notre Dame. Watched him play against Olave and uh, you know some pretty good receivers at Ohio State. And then watched some of that Alabama stuff. And he showed out pretty well. And the numbers back it up. In fact, as far as 20 plus yard attempts against him in his coverage. He was targeted 15 times, 20-plus yards down the field, only allowed five completions in his coverage on those such passes for a passer rating of 39.9. But he gave up a lot more underneath, and I think we'll talk about some of the negatives later on. But what I liked about him was his coverage down the field and his ability to mostly run with guys. Now, some speed did give him some problems, and some size gave him some problems. So that's why I say, yeah, six feet, 32-inch arms, 4-4-0, maybe 4-3s, doesn't play that big or fast. He just plays sort of medium, right? He plays medium-sized and plays fast, but not dynamically fast. You don't watch him play and say, oh, wow, wow, look how fast he's going. It's, a, it's like he's a one-speed player, I guess, is a good way to put it. He doesn't have that extra gear that you like to see when he's running down the field, when he's chasing guys, or when he's trying to break on the football and when he is in off coverage and, and when he's trying to come up and, and make a break on the ball, and especially those in-breaking routes. He lacks a little bit of burst there. Uh, but back to some of the pos- positives. Held his own against Chase Claypool 
at Notre Dame in 2019. Claypool did get him a couple of times, but it wasn't necessarily because of bad coverage, just good throws and, and a bigger wide receiver that made great catches against the sidelines. So that was more, you know, give points to Chase Claypool for being good than Ambry Thomas for not having good coverage. I like how confident he is and competitive he is. He plays under control for the most part. Not much panic. Trust his ability to run with receivers. I did see Olave run by him one time. Uh, I saw, I think it was Devontae Smith in the Alabama game. Got him one time. The ball didn't come his way, though, which, you know, luckily for him. But, you know, so speed speed can get him. But for the most part, he can run with guys pretty well. And he plays under control and doesn't panic and believes he can run with guys. So trust his technique there. Little handsy, likes to have his hands on receivers throughout the routes, which is why I think he's better playing against the sideline and trying to run with guys deep and utilize that sideline rather than trying to cover wide receivers that break over the middle. He's a little bit slower there making those breaks. He did return a kickoff for a touchdown in 2018, too. So some special teams value. Not sure if that's something the 49ers want him to do, but he's played a ton of special teams. He played a little as a returner, but a lot on coverage units, and he will almost certainly have to play on those coverage units as a rookie for the 49ers before he earns a starting job. Uh, he'll also stick his nose in against the run, which I like. He, he's a pretty good tackler, only missed a couple of tackles in 2019 for the whole season, which is really good for a corner. You'll see him stick his nose in there, even take on some offensive linemen at a time and set the edge against the run and push things back inside. And for the most part, pretty good tackler. Uh, a few times you see him play a little bit slight just because he's a slim, smaller guy, which is probably where the negatives begin. It's just he, he looks small for being you know, almost six feet, 190. Not undersized, just he, he doesn't seem big, doesn't play necessarily big or tough. Guys can get their hands on him and push him around a little bit in the run blocking game, even though he's willing and scrappy as a run defender. I think he would benefit from getting a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger in the NFL. He needs to have a, a calling card, and right now he just doesn't really have size, speed. He doesn't really have a calling card except for just being, you know, a pretty solid, pretty competitive cover guy. All right, a couple other things that Ambry Thomas can work on and who he could become for the 49ers in the near and distant future and some of your questions next. We've seen how the draft could change some things for teams. Uh, what about looking at the schedule? How do those win totals look now? Are you a little bit more bullish on your favorite team? You can put some money on it at betonline.ag. NFL Futures Props. There's Tim Tebow props already up at betonline.ag. Of course, UFC, MMA, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL. Get the latest news, odds, and all the info for your sporting needs. Get in the action at betonline.ag. The fastest, easiest way to bet on all of your sports. Also, table games. You've got reality TV. Uh, tons of things to bet on at BetOnline. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their playoff runs in the NBA. Head over to the website or use your mobile device. Sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with promo code locked on. That's promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter. Just some of the flavors you can find at BuiltBar.com. A high-protein, low-sugar, low-calorie snack you can feel good about 
and tastes fantastic. No skimping on flavor when it comes to Built Bars. They're the best tasting protein bar on the market, but they are healthy too, which is exactly what I have a feeling you're looking for. And if you're not sure exactly which flavor to try or you haven't tried them all and you just want more flavors, build yourself a box of Built Bars or maybe find one of their limited edition flavors that can pop up at any time. Many bars have only 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs, even good for a keto diet. And best of all, you can save 15% using promo code LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. Just go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you will get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Ambry Thomas did run some track in high school. Was he able to put up a better time maybe running that 40 than he plays on the field? That could be a telling story and a telling reason why, for some reason, it doesn't quite add. Not that he's slow on the field. He just doesn't quite blaze that sub-4-4 four, four time that was being reported from Michigan's pro day. I believe his personal best was 11.56 seconds in the 100-meter dash. Compare that to, what was it, 10.36 that DK Metcalf ran last week in that Olympic qualifying event? Pretty damn impressive for DK, must say. And there are a lot of guys in college football and that are in the NFL now that ran track in high school and ran in the 10s. Raheem Mostert, 10.15, he says. So, yeah, not sure about that 4-4 flat because that's pretty darn fast and you never see him open it up and you're like, wow, that guy is flat out flying. Definitely more of a one-speed guy to me. Does get kind of panicky at the end of routes. He is calm throughout the route and believes he can run with guys, but and maybe it's just more aggressiveness and, and sometimes he doesn't quite turn and find the ball. When he turns and finds the ball, everything's good and gravy, but sometimes at the catch point he kind of panics a little bit and is is more scratching and clawing for the ball to try to get that incompletion rather than than playing the man or playing through the ball or or just finding the ball and uh, and making a play on it. Better covering the sideline than in breaking routes. You know, maybe maybe not a slot option after all. Now that I've watched him play, I think he's more of an outside guy and someone that could play in the slot. And he's got some scrappiness and he's willing to support the run. But maybe and especially after they drafted Diamador Lenore a little bit later, who probably is a slot guy. I think the plan is for Ambry Thomas to be playing outside corner for the 49ers. And I saw this a little bit at the Senior Bowl as well. Him playing outside routes, down the field routes a lot better than those in-breaking routes. And I think he can get beaten on things like slants and, and some double moves. Uh, seems to be more comfortable riding a man and having his hands on him throughout the route, too. When he loses that contact, I think that's when things start to go bad at times for Ambry Thomas. Not an elite break on the ball. Uh, that lends to his press man ability, especially you know, again, at the Senior Bowl, you see it in those one-on-one reps. Didn't have a lot of burst when he was trying to figure out what these two-way goes, and they're doing a lot of double moves and kind of BS in a lot of those one-on-ones. It's tough on DBs, and he, he had a pretty good Senior Bowl week, but did have some problems in some of those one-on-ones when he's trying to break laterally on some of those routes. And I don't think it's because he can't move his feet. I just think that he's better man up on a guy, and, and knowing that he uh, has to take a guy down the field and can kind of like have his hands on him as he's running through the route. 
Didn't have a ton of experience in Offman or in Zone. I do envision him being a pretty good cover two type of corner, so maybe that's the 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 idea here for the 49ers. But it does seem like the Niners are going to be running a lot less cover three than even they did last year when they ran it less than they did before. I think the cover three might be starting to go away a little bit, start to see a lot more cover two, a lot more man, and a lot more cover four from the 49ers defense. But obviously, and I'll I'll go back to my guy Crocker. Like Eric Crocker says, he would rather start with a guy who can man up and play in man coverage and press man and then teach him how to play zone rather than vice versa. So I agree with that, and I think there is a lot to work with with Ambry Thomas. There are some people that said, ah, he fell through the cracks, and if if he would have played in 2020, he would have been a top 50 pick. I don't know about that. I think third round is probably the right spot for him, and maybe he would have. I don't know. I think there is some room for him to grow, but I just think – he lacks that extra bit of like, okay, this guy's a flat-out stud. He's going to walk in and be a starting quarter cornerback in, in whatever team that drafts him. I don't think he's got that kind of ability, but I do think he's got a lot working for him. He does have some athleticism and some speed, some good feet. He is competitive. He has a general idea. seems like he knows what the heck he's doing out there. Teams, when they played against him, would rather throw away from him than throw at him, even in his one season as a starter. So he does have a lot working for him. I like the pick. I like the value outside of the top 100. Late round three, nearly a round four pick for Ambry Thomas, the corner from Michigan. I think he has a chance to start an earnest starting job for the 49ers. I envision a lot of special teams, and especially since he hasn't played in a year. He played in the Senior Bowl, and, and since then he didn't play for a full calendar year. So it'll be you know a year and a half before training camp gets going that he's actually played in some games once the the preseason starts. I'd be shocked if he earns himself a starting job this year, but I think he's someone that could potentially give you some reps as a reserve corner, probably on the outside, learn behind those starters, and if enforced into duty because of injury at some point, will probably not be lost, which is a good sign for him. And then 2022, you're looking at someone who might actually be competing for that starting job. But right away, I don't quite envision it for Ambry Thomas, even though he could be a starting caliber corner in the NFL, and that's pretty good value late round three. All right, that is my thoughts going through a little bit deeper dive on Ambry Thomas. I'll be doing it for the rest of the 49ers draft class. You can go back and listen to my pod on... Who was it? Who did I do do last? Oh, it was uh, yeah, Aaron Banks, the the second round guard. I did Friday, so you can go back and listen to that one as well. And I'll continue to do the rest of the 49ers draft picks and get a little bit more in depth with what I saw from the newest 49ers as phase two of the offseason is rolling. Be back tomorrow with some winky Wednesday. It's more of a winky Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, depending on where you're listening on tomorrow's pod. And then some more of those scouting reports later on in the week. But first, a couple of questions here before I go. I, I can't leave yet without the well, without finishing up some questions. Let's go to El Guero says, per FCS Walter Payton Award, the award debuted in 1987. So Jerry Rice did not have a chance to win it apart from Trey Lance. Jimmy Garoppolo, Tony Romo, and Adrian Peterson, the other Adrian Peterson, are also former winners of the award. Okay, thank you for going and and doing that research for me, El Guero. I appreciate that. Here's a comment from Mave73. says, hey, Brian, comment on the 2017-2018 draft grades. 
Here's the full draft, and tell me what you feel without rounds. 2017, George Kittle, DJ Jones, Kendrick Bourne, Matt Breida, Nick Mullins, Akella Witherspoon, Solomon Thomas. In 2018, Fred Warner, Mike McGlinchey, Emmanuel Mosley, Jeff Wilson, Richie James, Tarvarius Moore, DJ Reed, Ross Dwelly. I think about that, and I think that's some important context. And the 49ers have stolen first-round caliber players in 27 and 2018 in Kittle and Warner. So if you flip it and you say the 49ers drafted George Kittle number three overall, you know that's that's one spot ahead of where uh, Kyle Pitts' tight end went this year. And if Kyle Pitts turns out as good as George Kittle, I think most people would be happy with that pick. In uh, They're probably hoping for more, but one of the best tight ends in the NFL, right? So, you know... <laughs> It would be pretty insane to draft a, a tight end number three overall, George Kittle, right, in 2017, but he's given you that value. Now, is there another late first-round draft pick there or even early second before the 49ers traded up from uh, early second round into the late first round to draft Reuben Foster? Not really. Not really. DJ Jones, solid nose tackle, but, you know, part-time player, Kendrick Bourne third, fourth wide receiver who's moved on, Matt Breida, you know, backup running back that's moved on. Nick Mullins should be pretty much a number three type of quarterback, maybe a backup at most. Solomon Thomas, reserve, rotational defensive lineman, Akella Witherspoon, reserve corner. So still, when you're looking at 2017, even giving credit for Kittle as being worthy of a number three overall pick, the rest just doesn't add up. So still subpar for what the 49ers were able to do there in 2017. And by the way, they didn't draft Bourne either. And you say the same about Jeff Wilson in 2018. Now they got some undrafted free agents, uh, Ross Dwelly, another one that, that gave him some value, but you've got to grade the picks in the picks, you know? And, and so that's a bad sign when your undrafted free agents are, are your second or third best players out of a draft class. Um, in 2018, Fred Warner, yeah, first round caliber guy for sure. Mike McGlinchey, second round, yeah, okay, I'm into that. Emmanuel Mosley, he was an undrafted free agent, but if he was a third round pick, I don't think anybody would scoff at that. Richie James, if he was a fourth or fifth rounder, yeah. Tarverius Moore, same fifth rounder, fine. DJ Reed, sixth rounder, yeah. But again, uh, of that list of best rookies from the 2018 class, three of them were undrafted. So again, uh, I think the the first round values are fine from Kittle and Warner. Second rounder for McGlinchey, but again, a little bit subpar, even if you are grading for a curve and you're you're just looking at the draft class as a whole, not grading first rounder for first rounder. But it is important context to look at draft classes in that sort of way. And if you're hitting on first rounders in the middle rounds of your draft, that's awesome. Imagine if you hit on your first rounders too, how amazing those draft classes would look. So um, the, the 49ers have not been the worst team drafting in the league for sure. But, you know, this, even when you look at it through that lens they they've left some meat on the bone as far as some of their drafts go especially you know that one draft in 2018 that we were grading a pretty pretty average class overall but they did get at least some hits in that class even if they weren't in the rounds intended all right thanks everybody for listening thanks for your questions keep those questions coming for me and nick tomorrow and for me for the rest of the week as i continue some scouting reports right here locked on 49ers